Welcome to a brand new episode of Markers on the Map. This week we have a few long-form discussions on two games we've been playing a lot lately. First, Ghostwire Tokyo takes us to a haunted open world that feels all too familiar. Then Jurassic World Evolution gets complex with the secrets of Dr. Wu DLC. Check out the gaming adventure on Twitter at Markers on the Map, and thanks for listening. Sunday, I was like really craving a burger, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, I could really go for some salties. And some salties. Yeah, some salt. You never had salties? No. What's that? Oh, it's a, it's a burger joint. I have to take you there, but close on Sunday. So I was like, all right, I'll get Wendy's. I go get I go get some some Wendy's. Mm-hmm. And they have this burger. I don't know if you. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if I told you about it, but they have this new chicken sandwich burger. It's called like the hot honey chicken, right? Have I told I've you about? Had it? one of those from Carl's Jr., but I imagine the Wendy's one is slightly different. Maybe it's it's. I haven't had the Carl's one. I had the Wendy's one, and it was pretty good. It's. I, I, I explain, dude. It's it's bun chicken, and it's like a a sweet like kind of savory kind of spi- a little spicy like sp- like a sauce and yeah. then it's like crispy like i'm pretty sure it's dill pickle it's like crispy dill pickle and it's like su- they're not even like more they're like super crisp it's like eating a chip and they got like i think it's like peppermint jack cheese and it's so good Ooh. that sounds a little different from the carl's jr one and i feel like i like a wendy's burger better than a carl's jr burger so i might have to go try this one soon you have to. It's really good. I, I, it's like my new favorite item. I've had like a different one, and it was all right. But then I was like, it was like a, a random day, and I think I was just hanging out with a friend, and then we were just going to Wendy's, and I was just like, I'll just get the, I'll try that one. It looks pretty good because it had like, I'm telling you, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. It comes like I gotta see what it comes with, but I'm pretty sure that's all it comes with. How does it stack up to the main mission with uh, Hot Honey? <laughs> Ooh. Now that that's a different topic. Uh, that one, of course, ours it's like different. Like you know, do people, people understand? There's like different variants of pickles. We have complex like, flavors. Yeah, going we here we have different. Mission. You know, it's not just peppermint. We got you know some different type of cheeses in there. Maybe we got some cheddar, some some mozzarella. You know, but it's pretty. It's pretty on par. Maybe pretty good. You know, maybe you, okay. you, you give it a try. You could give a, your take on it. Gives me an idea for a chicken sandwich version of the main mission with hot honey. We trying only... to keep all these things and ingredients straight in my head here. <laughs> do we even have a breakfast menu? I don't think we ever. That's something. Of that's something I hadn't thought about. And no, we, we don't. Pa- we never got <laughs> the a... meals on the map. Does not have a breakfast menu at this point. We never got a open beta pancakes or something. Oh God. I'm going to put in a request to, to GameKeeper and Green Badoof uh, to come up with some, some puns for the breakfast menu. No, nah, you got pre-alpha hash browns. You got pre-alpha your, hash browns. You got your pre-order coffee. Is it all pre because breakfast yeah, is the first? Yeah, it's the first <laughs> menu. And then you got your main meal, which is lunch. And then you got DLC, which is dinner. But, uh, you know, we really wouldn't DLC do dinner. dessert. DLC dessert, yeah. Yeah, we haven't we haven't talked about the meals on the map in a long time here. It's been a while, but no, yeah, try that chicken sandwich is really good. I'm gonna have to go for that pretty soon. Might get it maybe this weekend. Anyhow, let's go ahead and get started before this <laughs> before this one goes off the rails. And, yeah, that's a <laughs> this is gonna be a little bit of a different one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode of Markers on the Map, the weekly podcast gaming adventure, where this week we decided there's like two news stories, but they're small. Oh, I mean they're big, but like. We're going to actually talk about a lot of the games we've been playing because that's kind of been sidelined in favor of the news for the past couple of weeks. And with E3 news right around the corner, we decided it would be cool to have a really good like game-focused episode mm-hmm. um, while I continue to replay Guardians of the Galaxy in preparation for that, which should, um, according to how I have things scheduled, be the next like super special episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get started... My name is Daniel, and I'm here as always with my good friend and co-host Robert. 
aside from that delicious chicken sandwich experience, Robert, how have you been? All right, same old, same old, you know, nothing different in my personal experiences going on. How about you? Anything different or you've been the same? I've been pretty much the same. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been playing Destiny 2. Uh, The new season was too much of a lure for me because Callus is back and you know me, Callus is definitely my favorite aspect of destiny 2 as a whole like even though like the leviathan used to stress me out like the lore of callus and the character itself was always like a huge Mm -hmm. draw for me so they've brought callus back and now the leviathan is like an area you can go do like the patrol missions in rather than being the raid location there's some Mm -hmm. kind of cool story stuff going on um i might get to that at the end of the episode if we have a little extra time but no promises before we get started How's about that little bit of news that we have? Um, let's 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 start with the one that happened like right after rec- recording last week, and that was that the Nintendo Switch Online happened to get three new games, two SNES games, uh, and one NES game. The NES game was Pinball, and the uh, SNES games was Congo's Caper. It's like a your standard SNES platformer, but Rival Turf. To complete the Peacekeepers trilogy for the Nintendo Switch. The the trilogy is finally, finally there. (laughs) So I think that's... Listen, never heard of that beat-em-up series ever, but it's there. The whole trilogy is there. I think I need to go through it in order to really get... I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like Peacekeepers is the goal. I feel like I play the first two mm-hmm. to to see the progression of things, but I hear good things about all of them. I hear bad things about all of them, but that's that's little news. There's two bigger things that happened today. One of them's kind of a teaser. Sonic Frontiers, that brand new open world Sonic game, released a you know a 30 second trailer showing some of the really cool open world gameplay and and a little bit of the combat. We don't have anything else to go on besides that so far, but it's going mm-hmm. to be IGN.com's. Um, from time to time, they do a thing called IGN First, where they have like a month of exclusive reveals and stuff for games. I remember they did it for Wonderlands and everything. So um, I'm expecting probably to see this at the next state of play, which is happening, you know, a couple days after we record this. But I'm I'm expecting mm-hmm. to see some cool stuff. Um, judging by that 30 seconds we saw so far, it seems very cool. Talk talk about like a different type of I don't know has Sonic ever done an open world besides Adventures? Not to linger too much on it, but this is like definitely something new, right? Yeah, like Adventure had like a hub, but it wasn't necessarily an open. Like Sonic Oh Six had like a little open world hub, but like it, it's calling it open world is a bit of a stretch because it's a smaller area. Mm-hmm. But this is like a Breath of the Wild moment. I guess that's the thing we would use to describe something going open world for the first time. In, in today's day and age with games like you call mm-hmm. it the breath of the wild moment now i hope that the, the team delivers because the last couple 3d sonics i'd say colors and forces weren't you know my favorite and i hope that yeah, that's true what, what i'm getting from this is maybe there's a like this giant open world but maybe there'll be more focused levels is what i mm-hmm. kind of want from this but that remains to be seen i'm sure we'll know more than enough details uh throughout the month but there is a piece of news today that's like half like okay it's finally coming and half like complete surprise shadow drop so why don't you tell us about destroy all humans to reprobed yeah so talk about how i think a couple weeks before i don't know if i probably mentioned on the podcast but i've mentioned it personally to you that like man i wonder if they ever announced anything with that destroying humans 2 remake i know because the announcement was like months ago it was months ago it was before obviously the, the we're in this year but i think it was like eight months ago something like that i was like because obviously i looked up like the trailer so they basically announced confirmed what what the release date for this game it's august 20th i believe it's like a couple days before all-star battle r <laughs> yeah it's like august 20th 30th i think right oh is it 30th if it's 30th yeah. then then yeah then then jojo and destroying humans released at the same time i gotta check because i i immediately pre-ordered it uh oh. no hesitation <laughs> basically they for sure announced it new trailer kind of showing gameplay which got me pretty excited and then pretty much confirmed that it's not coming to ps4 it's a ps5 game 
yeah, that was kind of a shocker to see something like that from from THQ Nordic embracing the idea that this could be a current gen only, you know, port of of the PS2 game. If it's just as good as the first one, and the second one was, you compare the first Destroy Humans, the originals, though. The first and second is a completely different game in the sense of it's much better. They, I don't know what happened, but in that short like time frame from the release of the first one to the sequel, because I believe there were late PS2 games. Yeah, they figured out how to just make a completely better game like control wise flow wise story wise writing wise and interacting with the world wise like everything is much better in two two is probably the best one three had its i don't think a lot of people played three and it's just like here and there but i think for most people two is the best one and i tend to agree with that two is really good it's personal nostalgic reason wise and obviously just like it being mechanically better don't want to linger on too much because obviously we'll give our initial takes on it when it releases it's a game that's not being it's not a new game it is a a remake it probably will have new things added like i said we both played the first remake so we kind of have an idea what could be in store just like new upgrades and abilities and just kind of small details of stuff like that to make the game i mean the frame rate alone is is a good enough draw for yeah. for me at least back when the first when I played the first one. My my problems with it were mostly control focused, so it's it's good to always hear that reassurance from you that the second one improves on that in in, in a big way. It did. You can see if you play the original first one and the original two, it is a big difference. It's just like you can tell like I don't know. It's like the controls did change. Obviously not like dramatic like dramatically, but it, there is a change where it it. it Two was the better one, without a doubt. And on top of that, they announced a pre-order bonus that also released today as a, like a thirteen dollars standalone DLC, um, based on the first game, a multiplayer you know pack called Clone Carnage. They haven't really said what the modes are in in the social medias, but I might give it a shot at, at thirteen bucks because it, it does seem like it would work well as a multiplayer, you know, experience. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things where a part of me is just like it could have been just free DLC for the first game and just yeah. do more sales for the original game. But at the same time, it's sort of if people were going to buy it anyways, they're going to buy it already by now. So maybe a solo cheaper option would, would be a better way to just be like, eh, if they're not here for the story, but maybe they want some multiplayer action. It's only 13 bucks. Just, you know, buy it. And one thing I will say is that at least so far from what I've seen, you do not get it free physical pre-order. You have to buy a digital pre-order. Yeah, I was looking that up myself. And it just seems like they could have maybe done like a Ghost of Tsushima Legends with this one where if you own the game, you get it. And if you want to buy it separately, like Legends was like a $20 separate purchase. Mm And it seemed like they could have done that with this, but it seems like they didn't, so... Um, it is nice to have it as a free pre-order bonus and something that you can immediately start playing a brand new release on the actual day it's announced, but that would be something I think we would need to check out to, to have any impressions on because the, there's interested. a small trailer that just kind of shows yeah. <laughs> basic destroy all human gameplay, but for cryptos, but, um, I'm definitely willing to give it a shot at some point. No, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably give it uh, a look and see. I'll probably get it regardless, but I'll give it a look before I purchase it. As far as news goes, that's it for this week. Yeah, that's because everything's it. gearing up for a big state of play next week and like Summer Games Fest and the Xbox Showcase. But we're actually going to hold on to our Nintendo Direct rumor and Pokemon Trip until the very end of the show today in favor of getting to some games we've been meaning to talk about for a while here. So why don't we get started with that? Uh, what do you got first on the list? Something I have been trying to squeeze in but needed a little more time with for about uh, like two or three episodes now has mm-hmm. been Ghostwire Tokyo. Mm, so this okay. had gone on sale at the beginning of May, and actually Days of Play is going on right now, and it's even cheaper on the Days of Play sale. So I was like, dang, <laughs> I spent like eight more dollars. So Ghostwire Tokyo has been a long time coming. It's from Tango Gameworks. They did like the Evil Within, the Evil Within 2. I think the most memorable moment was when, you know, Ghostwire was revealed at the Bethesda showcase and and there was like Ikumi Nakamura who is like a really personable game dev 
and obviously she's not she wasn't attached to the project after it released and everything because i believe Mm -hmm. she had left tango gameworks to pursue uh, or create another company or at least become part of one but upon first reaction to the idea the trailer and the presentation of this game you'd think it's more in line with like a really dark gritty resident evil type thing and this is coming from the people that made the evil within which is kind mm-hmm. of similar to resident evil in more ways than one but closer and closer to release we hadn't heard anything from the game in a while but then we get this gameplay trailer and it doesn't really give away too much but it does come with the reveal that the game is rated t so this is not mm-hmm. a really like dark or gritty horror game at all I remember she said that it was spooky, and it can be because it's ghosts, but it's definitely more of, like, a paranormal type thing. Yeah, I think it's more of, like, you look at uh, a surprisingly, like, PG-13 movie as, like, Poltergeist, which is surprisingly, oh, like, yeah. you know, it's a it's a horror icon, but it's only PG-13, so it's just, like, it doesn't have to be R-rated, or in this sense, M-rated, to be scary and to get that same type of, like, uh, scream factor or just kind of creepiness factor to it but the thing with that is it's not scary or really creepy at all i mean i get that some of the designs might be creepy to some people but it would the, the game does actually not present them as creepy like mm-hmm. the the characters that wear the masks or the ones that have no face or whatever the game mm-hmm. never presents them as like oh these are like it like like a survival horror game where you're like alone with like no resources and an enemy is kind of stalking you through hallways or corridors and stuff like that the game never actually does that it kind of presents the enemies as mobs where there's like five of them coming to you at once and most of them are slow moving there's a few including one that reminds me of like the old snes game clock tower with like a Mm -hmm. pair of scissors um that can be challenging and and faster but nothing in the game is ever meant to like spook you or anything. I don't I don't remember there being any jump scares or I can't even remember any blood in the game. But that's not where I find the problem with with Ghostwire right. Tokyo. And when I say problem, it's not that I'm saying it's a bad game because I think it's a perfectly fine game. And but that's where the problem comes from. Uh I've played this game before. And I've played this game many times, but I've played this game, like, back in 2013. Uh, Immediately when I started playing, I was thinking of, say, Prototype 2. It's Mm -hmm. an open-world game that's not entirely massive, where the goal is ultimately, for, like, a Platinum Trophy, to 100% clear the map. And there's no real way to not 100% clear the map if you're just playing the game and doing everything on the checklist that you've mm-hmm. got, you know, in the in stat screens or whatever. Like, the most customization you have in Ghostwire, aside from a few costumes, is, like, choosing which skill to, to go for next. But that's any open-world game from, like, the PS3 era. So I, I found myself not bored per se, but kind of going through the motions about halfway through. So I decided to kind of mainline the end of the story because getting 100% in this is just, it's doing the same couple of things over and over again. Collecting spirits. Mm. There's thousands of spirits. You go up to the spirits, you hold a button, you get the spirits. Sometimes you have to do a little prompt on the touchpad, a little like hand symbol to get some spirits unshackled. There are a couple of yokai that you might find, and each of them has a certain way to catch them, but there's they're not all different, so you'll see repeats of some of them. Sometimes uh, enemies in this game called visitors will capture spirits in a box, and you'll have to protect the boxes while you are defeating the spirits. Sometimes you will have to glide across rooftops to get some of the spirits, so you have a stat that lets you glide longer and faster. Um, and the glide is pretty good and it's good that you don't take fall damage. Um, other than that, there's like your typical fetch quests, stuff like that. Um, there's Mm -hmm. little missions you can get from cats, shopkeepers, where you have to find certain items and these items will always pop up in the open world with like a little noise and audio cue that lets you find out where they are or if you're in a room that has something. Otherwise your map does a good job of like marking things that you've seen and done. Um, there's a fast travel system, but like ultimately, it just feels like a mid 2010s style 
open world game. It's kind of like stuck in the past almost. And I've seen this written in articles and reviews on the internet, but I can't help but come to the same conclusion. Man, that's that's weird because it's just like you're kind of interested in this game. And yeah. so it's just to hear that like it's kind of stuck in the past. Yeah, it, and it's not that it's a bad game. It's just that like it would have been nice for it to do something different. You mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying with that? Yeah, like I get what you mean. Like it's not that like yeah, it's like whatever, but it's, it's kind of stuck in the past. You expected something a little different. Yeah. From the initial look at it. The thing that I liked about Elden Ring, which was the open world game I played before, was that it kind of didn't clutter your map up with all the icons and towers because this game's got towers it's just their shrines mm-hmm. in this but these are the ubisoft towers they will reveal the fog and the map and whatever whereas something like elden ring kind of pretty much made 90 percent of the game optional but challenged you to find optional content because if you didn't you can't really beeline elden ring unless you're some sort of godlike player and i'm sure mm-hmm. there are you know people who have beelined elden ring on on a new game file but that wasn't me i'm i did like 60 percent of the stuff before i even got halfway through the game but that brings me to combat the combat in ghostwire is it's cool to look at Mm -hmm. but it's kind of numbing after a while and when i say Mm -hmm. after a while i mean like after maybe an hour or so of of doing the combat that's not a not a long time it's like an hour it's not not a a long long time. time But what, what made it more manageable for me was that I, I had started playing on normal difficulty. And the thing was, it was taking a long time to, to down an enemy. So mm. I wasn't getting hit. I wasn't getting hit at all. And I changed the difficulty to easy. The enemies don't behave any differently. You just take less damage. So I was like, okay, if I can defeat this enemy in half the time it took on normal, I'm still not getting hit. So let me just do that. Um, the combat is... You have an element in your hand, and... Oh, this game is so weirdly paced. I'll get to that in a second. But you have mm-hmm. an element in your hand. Um, it's a wind element. And you just shoot, like, blasts of a wind element at the enemies. Eventually, they'll have an exposed core. You hold down a trigger, and your character will do, like, a like a weaving thing to get, you know, either ammo or spirits or XP to defeat the enemy. And you have like a small amount of time where you can do that. And if you get interrupted by a hit or whatever in the middle of doing that, um, that will cancel it out. And you'll have to either open up the core again or defeat the enemy. And as you progress, you get a water power, which is kind of like a long blast that can hit multiple enemies. I believe you can upgrade it to go through enemies. And then you have a fire blast, which is kind of like a fire grenade almost. And that does a really high amount of damage at the cost of it having almost no ammo. So you kind of have to judge which enemy... Like, I wouldn't use it on regular enemies. Your regular visitors, I'd use it on, like, the heavier enemies or maybe the, like, mini-boss-type enemies, like the the lady with the scissors. But the game is so weirdly paced. For the first half, you have a relatively small area. And in the second half, you are doing, like, ten towers at once to unlock more of the map. But the problem with that is that each of the towers is giving you uh, a little bracelet your character can wear that enhances some Mm -hmm. part of some of the abilities. So it's like you're stuck using the wind element with a bracelet to enhance that power for like the majority of the first half. And then in the second half, you're inundated. Like you've got things that are enhancing the fire, things that are enhancing the water, things that are enhancing how far your little, you know, your detective mode vision can see um, or, or certain things with like a bow and arrow that you have but it that all comes at once whereas the first like maybe 40 percent of the game is strictly like you doing things with the same set of things and then the last half is like oh i've got all this stuff but now that i'm sick and tired of all the different objectives i'm like keen to just put on two of the or upgrade the wind one and and move on with that there's also talismans that will do things like shock enemies or stop them. There's a or like help with stealth and stealth in this game talismans, is like you eh? can you can ignore it. Yeah, like like <laughs> like Hand <Ejection> Adventures. <laughs> Although these these are the paper talismans, talismans. Uh. Um, but the problem with those is that you buy them from the shops and they don't really drop from enemies. So I largely ignored them for the whole game because I didn't want to go stop the shop like every five minutes 
and they cost a lot. Um, mm-hmm. The way healing works is you have a food. You can set which food to eat, but you'd have to go into a menu every time to do that. So you just let the game kind of auto-select it. Different foods will heal different amounts of health, and some of them will grant bonuses. But the cool thing is that every time you consume food, your health will have a permanent increase of 0.4%. Uh, mm-hmm. percent. So your health is constantly increasing if you have to heal as well as when you level up and stuff like that. I feel like the skill system is a little weird because things cost a lot from the get-go. And like for the first couple of levels, you don't even have enough to get a skill. And then like you still... It's like it doesn't feel rewarding when you level up because a lot of times you're you're missing like five skill points or something. So that's kind of weird. But I can't help but say it's endearing. It plays well. It does what it's trying to do well. It just doesn't do anything out of the box. The story is there. The villains mm-hmm. are there. The Hanyu mask, he's a cool villain, but at, at the end of the day, it's he's there. And I wasn't like truly enamored by the story, despite the fact that the characters are pretty cool. Um, your main character, Akito, I think, and KK, who is the the ghost that's the ghost wire, the one in his hand and, you know, kind of possessing his body. They they have mm-hmm. banter between each other and I find that to be pretty cool. I found them to be cool characters, but the story is not anything special. It's, it's weird because it's just like a part of you wants to give it like it's not a terrible game, but it's just it's nothing new, different. But at the same time, it's just certain things that I don't know. It seems like you've had much more just to say like neg- not negative, but just sort of critiques about it and then just say a couple things good about it. But it seems like it wasn't what you expected. More yeah, or less. I mean... It, it definitely picks up in momentum gameplay wise mm. as you upgrade things but the upgrades come so late that you're like okay you know there there's a thing at the end of the game that you get that lets you turn in your spirits without having to use a payphone but through the rest of the game you're using a payphone and you're filling up um, the paper dolls with the spirits so you have to keep buying paper dolls otherwise you'll have to keep going to a payphone to release the spirits into it and that's kind of how you start you know unlocking more things and leveling up but it, it's just it's not a bad game in the sense that it's well made and polished but mm-hmm. it's just i was bored i i hate to use such a harsh word but i was bored with the gameplay after you know six hours the combat even quicker than that but i think it took me like 15 hours or something to beat maybe a little less it's it seems like it's that sort of idea that people think at least developing a game it's worth well if it's the same thing over and over again you know if it's if it's good it works but it's just like sometimes fresh change good you know good or bad it could really do make a difference where you can maybe if it's bad, you appreciate the stuff that's honest. That's honestly good. Where obviously, if a change is very well done, it's you know it's a, w- a welcome you know new new addition to the to the series. Where examples like look at FIFA. Like if you, uh, if you do like FIFA like three like like two thousand three to like FIFA oh eight, it is a different game. It's like it's a leap from PS two to PS three. But mm-hmm. you look at the past couple FIFA games from like. I would even say from like 19 to like now, it's sort of just the same game. Reskin, no pun intended, it is. It's the same game. On the Switch, at they least. Add, yeah, they, they had add like nothing that whole, to it. That's like the quintessential thing to look at when you're like, this has kind of been the same for years now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter if it's done well, it has to be different and add new things to what's already been done. Because. Yeah. There's, it's just like, yes, there's so-and-so type of game, but behind those type of games, there's like a hundred thousand of the similar type of games. So it's just like, if you want to be part Some of that new series, mechanic or you way have to, add to something progress different. through the map that's not your generic Assassin's Creed towers, stuff like that, your Far Cry yeah. towers. I mean, it's cool that this one's first person. I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. played a first-person open-world game besides, like, Cyberpunk. Uh, I know Far Cry is first-person, but I've not ever played Far Cry. Um, so it was cool to have a first-person one, but the only thing that kept running through my head when I played this game was, man, this reminds me of Prototype 2. Because, like, literally, 
there's nothing preventing you from getting 100%. You can literally do anything at any time, and it will still mm-hmm. fill out the checklist. So it just doesn't have a lot of... It didn't give any weight to anything. It's like, oh, if I don't do the side quest now, I can come back and do it later. Um, as opposed to Elden Ring, which is obviously going to be what I compare open world games to from, from this point on. Mm-hmm. Um, where I could miss something, and not only would I not know... But it wouldn't affect me in any meaningful way aside from the fact that there's a piece of content that I might see next time I play the game or on the new file, stuff like that. But like back when Prototype 2 came out, I was like, man, this game is amazing. I played it a couple of times all the way to 100%, got the platinum on it, and I said, man, this is really cool. But that was 2011, 2012, and here we are, 2000, (laughs) that was a PS3 game. And, and this is 2022, this feels like the same game with a Tango Gameworks Bethesda first-person uh, modern-day Japan skin over Prototype 2. That's mm-hmm. honestly what I compared it to as far as, like, minute-to-minute. Minute. Like, it doesn't play like Prototype 2, but it certainly feels like the progression is way, way, way Prototype 2 feeling. So mm-hmm. it, it's like a classic, for me, a 7 out of 10 but not to give a rating but you know a 7 out of 10 is like yeah this is fine it's okay (laughs) a 7 out of 10 is always an okay game where we all have our different I would say like even if that would make it easier it's like a a 3 out of 5 where yeah it pretty much kept you in it but were you really that involved throughout the entire gameplay it it says a lot that I don't feel like getting the platinum on it because I experienced mm-hmm. it, all that I would be doing is the same couple of things and searching around Tokyo for the rest of the spirits. There are way too many spirits, and I just don't want to. So I, I enjoyed the time I spent with it, but it's not something I could see myself either replaying anytime soon or you know playing to 100%. It's just, uh, to circle back, I've played this before. Maybe just it's because a it's got a different name and a look. I've played it before. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it's just like how with every Mario, there's like 50 other costume, like anthropomorphic, like characters. Every Sonic, there's like a hundred of them. Like, at every... least back on the SNES, as we see by a lot of those uh, Switch Online games. And like, yeah, let's say some of them did okay. They're like, yeah, oh, they're fine. But like I said, you didn't do anything different. Where it it did, you know, it made you different from everyone else and that's the point with this game where yeah it's fine it's not terrible gameplay but it's nothing new it's nothing different it's nothing like fresh and would want you to be involved in it i'd say worth it at 20 30 bucks i paid 40 i think but like i also really wanted to play it it just came out the same day as wonderland so there was no way but yeah it, it was fine kind of a bummer that it's come to that conclusion to that game because you're really interested when it first kind of was sort of teased and then you're just like you know what? I'll, I'll give it a shot yeah at least it's not bad but it yeah. is just reasonable okay. yeah. <laughs> it's fine i think back in the day ign would have rated a seven as a fine if if they were to or GameSpot, whoever did fine as their seven or something like that but you've also been playing a game you you've returned to a game jurassic world evolution I recently purchased Evolution 2, and I was going to probably get around to it, but then I was like, you know what? Uh, I said, there's still DLC for the first game, and I know it goes on sale very often, like pretty much all the time. So I checked if it was, it was on sale, because obviously there's a sale going on. I think this was like... It was like I under 15, it. probably like two weeks ago or something. Yeah, something like that. So they have two expansions. They added an extra expansion, actually. So they added two bundles. Because one bundle got you the Return to Jurassic Park DLC, Claire Sanctuary, and Dr. Wu's, like, DLC. So it came with all three DLCs, but then there was another bundle that gave you all the dinosaurs that were separate bundles that didn't come with the DLC. And that was, like, the Dino Pack. It came with three DLCs, but the only one that wasn't involved in any DLC pack, which is... The Deluxe Upgrade, right? (laughs) 
No, it's the deluxe pack, but it's the it's the Jurassic World Blue Raptor pack oh, where you got yeah you got Blue Echo Charlie and Delta skin packs that were like three bucks. It was like three bucks. So it what was about like beta? Whatever's... Beta's the one on my dark berry can. <laughs> berry. Uh, <laughs> I wonder. Uh, I wonder if that yeah that's all DLC. I'm pretty sure that's all of it. But yeah, it was like it was just like extra two three bucks. I just threw it on top of what I was already purchasing just the Dino Pack and the rest of the DLC. So it came out to like twenty eight bucks with the with the sale. It was like twenty eight dollars for the entire DLC. So eh, a little bit of cash, but w- whatever. And then I finished Doctor Wu's. So I've always said this about Evolution. I, you know, it is a modern park builder, but in all respect to the new series, Operation Genesis was the better park builder Jurassic Park game because you can fully customize your island. You can have it where it's high mountains to no mountains to high rivers to no rivers, a lot of land or zero land where it's mostly water. And you can shape your island from square to round to how big and how much you want to your island. And you weren't limited to the shape of any land. It was just like you you build the land yourself and then you can start building your park on it. And the one thing that Evolution does have above that game is you can only have a limited amount of dinosaurs on your island on Operation Genesis. Like even like fossil record wise, like in, in Evolution 2, you can have every or Evolution, you can have every dinosaur ever. If you can fit every dinosaur on your island and it's possible, you can do it. It's no reason for it to be possible. Mm-hmm. But some of the islands obviously are, are meant to be challenging. Like smaller islands are meant to pose a, a challenge to the gameplay itself. But to that extent, it's sort of like, but then after you do all the challenges, now you just have a really small island with like tight corners that you really can't do a lot with. And yeah. I know there is a sandbox mode. There is the whole like, oh, but you can do sandbox mode. But with sandbox mode, it's sort of a, uh, you know, unlimited cash. So it's just like, and eh, there's no challenge really towards it. But with it's like a creative with, mode. Yeah, it's like a creative mode. So there's no real challenge in building your own island. So that's already like evolution. I stand with on that game. It's sort of like it is a good game, but not the ultimate park builder. I would wish there is an, another one. Hopefully, two fix. I haven't played two. Haven't looked at two. I, I tend not to look for spoilers for this franchise. It's my favorite franchise. So I tend not to look at spoilers for anything. So Woo's DLC starts off on. It's not new islands because they're all the same five islands. I forget which islands they're on, but they're on the same islands. I forget the islands' names, too. I know the main two, obviously, are, like, he's a Nublar and he's a Sorna. And then, in, I can't remember the other ones, but there, there's some other ones, and I, it's been a while. But the first one, it's just sort of like an off-grid, like, island where they didn't know it was happening, but they don't oppose to making money off of it. So then you start doing all this different type of dino build, sort of, like, release a dinosaur right like release certain dinosaur and it'll be like a herbivore be just like release a a sticky moloch just like release a sticky moloch out and you know release it but then Wu would come in talk about now release uh this dinosaur and it could be uh a carnivore of a different you know it's sort of like two dinosaurs and he would want to see the nature kind of full you know outfold itself where it want to see how it would work how in a real life millions of years ago scenario what would a city moloch do if uh trodon came into the pen and sort of had to fight and that's sort of like where that dlc goes the first part is just kind of doing missions for woo where it's just like release this dinosaur with this type of dna strand and see how it reacts and sort of kind of teases the now, are you able to do that in the main game? Or do you have to... Because I played it, but I don't remember. Are you able to release those two in the pen in the main game? Or is yes, it specific? You, you okay. can... If you could... If you want... You could leave every dinosaur... But obviously, it's just like... If uh, two carnivores that are, are opposing species are in the same pen, they're going to fight for dominance. Because obviously, mm-hmm. there's only one that can truly live in their in their eyes. But... It's sort of, in that game, it was just like the contracts would be like, oh, release this dinosaur with this rating or or just release this certain dinosaur with this amount of species of it. And then, you know, it would just complete the mission. But like I said, the reason with Wu is that you would get those same contract missions, but then Wu would tell you, now do this. And then the people would be questioning your motives, but then realize Wu is behind it because 
Wu is a complicated Jurassic Park character. There's a lot we could go into, but he's a very complicated, where it's sort of like, is he someone who's just mad with power because, you know, he he's pretty much brought these dinosaurs back to life? Or is he just someone who's being taken advantage of? We don't, we, you know, it's sort of like you kind of come to your own conclusion with that. But that's kind of like the first part of the DLC goes. You kind of unlock, I think Proceratus is the first dinosaur with Trodon and with, I'm trying to remember the next one. But it's sort of like the first kind of DLC. Very small island, not a lot to do. Unlock a couple dinosaurs here and there, and you move on to the next island. So the next island, after you reach a, do all the missions on the first part of the island, and you come to the next one. Now it's all, this is all just like dinosaurs that are, are hybrid. So mm. if you're not following the Jurassic Park storyline, in Jurassic World and in Fallen Kingdom, they were they had the idea since the originals like what if scientists went too far and started trying to make their own dinosaurs which sort of the whole moral of the story is like you know our we are already bringing them back to life might as well start to make our own but it obviously it's it's just chaos and it just cannot yeah, be contained it, it, it goes real wrong real fast yeah it goes real wrong because these these are dinosaurs that you know dinosaurs alone are already dangerous enough the first park did not succeed let alone having hybrid dinosaurs. And it's just like, it just went super wrong. So I think the first dinosaur you, you release, it's, I, I, I'm i terrible with dinosaur names, but it's basically, uh, I think it's an ankylosaurus, and it's one of those like really long neck dinosaurs. Not like a brachiosaurus, but it's like a different one. There's so many variants of the long neck dinosaurs, I can't even remember most of their names. Mm-hmm. But you sort of kind of release them, and then it's like, now release these species there'll be like a triceratops and then like and then a disease breaks out the di- the hybrid dinosaur had basically contains a disease that they don't know, understand so now you have to get the dinosaur to basically you have to transport the dinosaur to a different island which you just tranquilize it and just click send it off or loan it i think that's what it is you just loan it and then take it off the island but then you have to keep your rest of the dinosaurs alive for a while until they find the cure and then you just bring back the dinosaur with the cure, and then you just cure all your dinosaurs. But then, the next hybrid, I believe, was a, I believe, was a Triceratops mixed with a. It's it's the one with the spiky tail, not not the Ankylosaurus. Yeah. So it has it has like spines in the back, and it has a spiky tail. I'm forgetting the name. It starts with an S, and like I know. Uh, so I believe it's Stegosaurus. I believe Something like it, that, right? <laughs> it has to be. If it's not it, then I, I'm I'm just forgetting. But yeah, it's that's the next hybrid, and it's pretty violent. Not in the sense it's a herbivore at the end of the day, but I think most people not tend to remember that her you know herbivore dinosaurs had to protect themselves from other dinosaurs that were trying to eat yeah. them. So obviously, like Triceratops have like really big horns, and then the other one just has like a a, a club tail with spikes on it, and it's just like that dinosaur was pretty brutal. And it wasn't violent towards the other herbivores, but then it's like release, or and then it's like now you have to contain the dinosaur because now Wu wants to have carnivores that are basically he wants to have other opposing dinosaurs. Like I think the first one was a Baryonyx. Oh no, it was a Ceratosaurus, I believe. He wanted a Ceratosaurus to see how it it would fight with the new hybrid, which. It's a it's a medium sized carnivore. It's pretty big, but you know there's bigger ones than that one. But you kind of you know the dinosaur kind of handles its own. The hybrid handles on its own, and then he wants. I believe at that point it was a Baryonyx, and then it was a Spinosaurus. Which mm-hmm. in real life and in in the movie, Spinosaurus is the biggest walking carnivore that's ever existed. Uh, studies have you know changed, but like it's basically it's, so. Now this is a pretty mean dinosaur. Basically, it's like this is a dinosaur not to be opposed with. Then Wu decides to do something that I didn't think was going to be that much of a problem, but this dinosaur was the vein of my existence. He wanted to release a Spinosaurus and Velociraptor hybrid, and this dinosaur was violent. And I guess the part that I'm leaving out is that in the DLC. Wu says that these events of disease and and dinosaurs fighting, in the sense of like them being too violent, it's not part of the process. That someone is purposely messing with the DNA. That basically, with the first hybrid dinosaur, he says someone purposely gave this dinosaur that disease because it only caught it during the end of its incubation phase. So ah. basically, there's someone betrayed, like 
like sabotaging the dinosaurs on purpose they're trying to sabotage Wu and so you're thinking that maybe he is trying to do something that's for better and just want to see what hybrid dinosaurs do and there's someone trying to stop him like they're evil or whatever but that that spinal velociraptor was it was it was a pain it was a pain because it was so violent and it would it just like immediately like just starting like destroying my population of dinosaurs because it was all in the same paddock i couldn't release the island is very small that island was super tiny i cannot release a lot of dinosaurs on their own and tranquilizer darts did not work on this dinosaur so then Wu's like the only way obviously that we can get rid of this dinosaur is through just natural selection and just release a dinosaur i remember i released a, a pretty big apex dinosaur i released a a like super like a, a like a bunch of attack and defense spinosaurus but it would they would not fight they absolutely uh-huh. would not fight each other and so i'm just like this is a, a problem it's like my question through the through this has been like how much of this has been you moving around the cursor versus how much was the like the first person gameplay or it was first person right or is it third person it's the dinosaurs uh like obviously like when you're you're, like you can walk around you can drive the little like orb thing yeah you can drive the little little, yeah it's all third person but i will say there is a lot of downtime i'm kind of skipping out on the whole like there is a bunch of downtime because you have to like bring money in and obviously you only bring money in through like sales of like merchandise and people you know so is that done on the same island that the dlc is taking place on or do you just earn money from a different island take that back to do the dlc missions so for me i was lucky enough to buy the other dinosaur dlcs so i had fossils coming in to my center so then i can Uh obviously extract dna from dinosaurs i still need but then sell off like if they find gold or, or, or minerals or fossils that aren't, I can't take DNA from. Basically, I can sell them for a re- pretty good profit and have a lot of money. I think at one point it was like $26 million. But then all that all went, I'm telling you, that all went away because of that uh, Spinosaurus Velociraptor. Yeah, it, it does seem like when I played, the money went very quickly. It it goes by because like, I think that, that Spinosaurus cost me like $10 million, but it died. I, I was like, okay, there's like these are not fighting. Maybe if I, I put them in their own enclosure, they'll fight. And then I, I, I basically tranquilized the Spinosaurus, about to move it, and the next thing you know, I get a notification that it died. And next thing you know, I see my Velociraptor Spinosaurus eating it because it was asleep. I'm like, okay, uh, that's $10 million out the, down the drain. So That's a lot of million said, dollars. <laughs> yeah, I said, so I said, I'm kind of in a bad situation where I don't have a lot of money and I, I closed the park because this spinal raptor was consistently breaking out of its pen. It could not be contained. It was a dinosaur. I'm like, this dinosaur is just too evil to contain that. It's ish. I, I regret making it. But the one thing I said, you know what? The one dinosaur that I know I've seen at least win fights, it was the triceratops, uh, dinosaur. So I was like, let me release that hybrid at a higher defense attack level. And it, it took it out pretty easy. The last mission, that one was uh, uh, interesting. So, the Indominus Rex, which is in the uh, Jurassic World movie, is a bunch of different dinosaurs. But the main ones are Velociraptor T-Rex. Basically, the one thing that Wu gave it that he didn't expect to keep the trait, but it kept it, was uh, camouflaging. So, now in this game... Now all my Indominus Rexes, if I give them the gene, can camouflage. They can 100% can camouflage to their environment. So you had to release an Indominus Rex, an Indoraptor, and then the another Spinoraptor. And so I was just like, man, that thing was already tough enough. Why, like, why am I going to bring another one out? But I had to complete the mission. Now you have to let these dinosaurs fight. Not each other. They have to fight other dinosaurs. So I was like, what's a what's a sort of a, a a big dinosaur they can fight and they can win and and so i said let me just make a really weak not ex- like kind of just basic t-rex and that kind of got it's uh it's a uh, fight level to like where it needed to be i forgot what it's called but it's like a fight level and that was the last you'll see and then i don't know where we was like oh yeah thanks a lot um 
you know, all this was for, uh, you know, because basically he the re- he basically confirms at the end of see the only reason he did it is because he says that people obviously come to him for, for work and, you know, for this and that. And so he's just like, I keep my, basically he says, I keep my options open to a lot of people. So if anything were to happen with one company, he can always move to another. That there's always be some work for him no matter what. So, yeah, you know, at the end of the DLC, I got some really cool dinosaurs, but, you know, uh, I just kind of helped the guy kind of open his doors to a lot of, you know, different companies that can make him probably do worse things than what he's already doing enough. But, you know, eh, that's the DLC. I have that DLC. I've not gotten to it, obviously, because I've not been the main campaign, but that, that DLC did come with whatever bundle of Jurassic World Evolution 1 I bought, you know, a few years back. <laughs> You know, it's that fiendish Dr. Wu DLC, bro. <laughs> and he is. He's, he's like, you think that, like, oh, maybe, but then he's like, no, yeah, I was just keeping my options open for different companies just in case this one goes wrong. And thanks anyway. So now, like, I have these different type of hybrid dinosaurs that are just, like, these should not exist. 100% they should not exist. But right there that in, was in your own personal Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, I have not even re- tried to make the spino raptor because that one was so difficult to contain Ah. that one's very difficult uh even like the indominus rex i can contain it but that one was just i I don't know about that one that's a very stressful game robert it's 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 fun though because like you can fly the helicopters and like heal your dinosaurs and try to like it's yeah i remember when you first showed me that's the reason i bought it was because it looked cool it's just in in practice it it was very stressful to me i'm pretty sure i've talked about that on here before but i definitely want to give it another go at some point you should like i said i'm still doing the claire we'll talk about the claire saint probably a different day but i'm starting i'm still doing that one the claire sanctuary and then i need to do the return of jurassic park dlc yeah that seems like it's gonna be the bulkiest one like the biggest one because it costs the most Trust me, that will happen eventually because, like, I've been playing Wonderlands 2, I've been playing the Alien vs. Predator 360 game, but that's pretty much the main game I've been playing, and I did I did beat Wonderlands, we will talk about it at one point, we will probably do DLC. We've been doing Chaos Chambers. We have been. We will talk about, have we done our Borderlands spoiler episodes yet? We haven't done any Borderlands spoiler episodes yet. Those we haven't? I'm surprised too. we haven't done those. Yeah, those are being held on to for for very special occasions. Uh, initial, I'll just do initial takes on Wonderland. So that's still a pretty new game that I think yeah. we talk about that series a lot. Initial takes is its weapons could be different. Uh, some enemies jumping up and down from level placements is a little too wonky, where it's not just a coincidence. Really good story, really good uh, land. Like the like the idea of like the whole like, world is an RPG. Obviously, it's a Wonderland. It's really fun. Uh, favorite quote the skeletons have said I've and I swear they've said this I've heard a skeleton say you don't stand a ghost of a chance and I just started laughing super hard so I'm pretty sure that's a Yu-Gi-Oh reference I wouldn't put it past them they have references to everything else literally everything it has else. to be come on you don't stand a ghost of a chance that's a good a reference of a chance. yeah I like Wonderland so we've kind of been delving into chaos chambers um I, I've done a little bit randoms as you were playing through the campaign, and it does get to be like very overwhelming. But we need a we need probably a full episode for Wonderlands, mm-hmm. like a like a special on the level of Ghosts or Resident Evil Village for all of the Borderlands games. Um, so we we will get to that at some point. But we got one, actually two, last things we need to take care of here. We got Pokemon Drip. And a Nintendo Direct rumor. Alright, let's get here to at the, the end of the episode, tail end of the episode here today. Little shake up from the usual. Uh, Lieutenant Surge from Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. He is an electric gym leader. Um, back in the anime, he was the one that was like, I have a Raichu, Ash only has a Pikachu. So let's look at his new Oh, it's him. He's, uh... he's very much matching, but I'm getting like john sensei john crease from cobra kai energy from from this design of of lieutenant surge i think you can't really judge his clothes because they're meant to look like a military outfit which mm-hmm. it's sort of like you can't they're yeah they're supposed to match they're all supposed to pretty much look but i guess you can judge like uh shoes the boots you know i like the yellow laces because it goes obviously with his spiky yellow hair because he's electrical type i like the electrical yeah. patch uh, the fingerless gloves, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how, how I feel about them. It's just like I don't know how did... I feel about the fingerless gloves. 
But yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know how I feel about fingerless gloves because I guess he needs his fingers to like catch Pokemon and to hit the button. Because I imagine trying to wear some really thick like gloves. I think that would be a, a pretty difficult to do. I now I just like got this, this idea of a Pokeball having the like iPhone touch circle thing versus oh, just being a yeah. physical button. <laughs> he can't press it. Well, I mean, like really thick like gloves like that. Like it's it still would be kind of hard to click a button. It's it's a lot, but the belt I kind of like the belt. It's the like belt's a, cool. It's like, like a, seat a parachute belt, belt. Yeah, like yeah, a parachute. It's like a seat belt. Uh, the hair, like I said, it matches with what his style is. He looks like a. It's he's very square, pretty much. He's he's very square, baggy clothes. That's always a trend these days. But is it is it drippy? Do we say this is some drip? I feel like this could be drip. I'm I'm not gonna say it's high level. First, compared to some it's, of the other characters we're gonna look at but like drip maybe three and a half with doofs out of five if he added more accessories to him it could be very like it could be drip you know what i mean yeah. it's like if you could add not too much where it's just like it has to match with the outfit but what if you had like a, a military like hard hat hmm i've never thought of him having one of those in, in one of his designs but it might work there are pokemon uh trainers and gym leaders that do have some headgear um that we'll see like kind of way later on um, and we kind of have to see, does this fit the theme or does this work to make the outfit look cooler? But there are definitely it some works with this theme. later on. That it works. Maybe more pockets. Can never have enough pockets. <laughs> Maybe more pockets. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I give it like mid. It's like I said, it's, it's not, it's not terrible, but it's like, is it, you know, because of what it's meant to represent, like the whole, it, it's not, it can't do too much, but I guess it hits the mark. So it is like a, a three here yeah. and there. And we got a quick Nintendo Direct rumor here. Um, this one's on, like, a different type of paper. It's folded weird. And it just has a thing on the bottom that somebody drew a line and then circled it. So, <laughs> rumor has it that a new 2D side-scrolling action game is coming to the Switch. And this one stars none other than Bruce Banner, The Incredible Hulk. Now, I don't think we've ever had a side-scrolling Hulk game. And I kind of want it after hearing this rumor so we it's what type of open is it an open world hulk game that is unclear but the way i could kind of see this working is like what if it's similar to a wario land 4 or a shovel knight king of cards where it's like the goal of the game is to like bash through things like hulk smash through things or or what if it's being developed by Capcom and it's like a final fight beat em up game? You know, Hagar, the same sprite animation. And, now, and I could go for I could go for a beat em up for sure with the Incredible Hulk. That makes the most sense. I see now that's the thing. Is there actually ever been a, a side scroller like Mario and Donkey? But it's also like you can beat up the enemies at the same time. Not just like stomping on their head, but like you can also do beat em up mechanics. Well, not with Mario. But see but has has that been done? In general, any side scroller oh. that has beat em up mechanics also in it. Well, I mean, wouldn't the spawn game count, or is that because that does have a lot of that's platforming, straight. and like it maybe Ninja Ninja Saviors, that one that's kind of like the spawn game except easy. Maybe if that's the case, then maybe the whole game could be that type of genre where it's it's a scroller. You have to go through puzzles and platforms, but then there's still beat 'em up mechanics. I guess yeah, I guess that's how it would work. Yeah, and I mean, stuff like King of Cards and Mario Land 4 do have a melee component to them with the, like, the character's charge bash. So, like, Hulk could have a bash to, like, break mm. through certain blocks that are standing in his way or, like, chain enemies to get momentum like you do in Mario Land 4 and use that to help you with the platforming. But the, the Mario Land and the King of Cards are more puzzle-oriented, whereas I, I could see Hulk being completely action-oriented but also keeping that element of, like, platforming and stages versus being a metroidvania because we have enough metroidvanias in the indie space and we do have the king of metroidvanias already mm-hmm. on the switch so i think making another metroidvania with, with hulk wouldn't be the way to go because hulk doesn't seem like the type of character who needs to backtrack he seems like the type of character who needs to keep moving forward i guess that's true i mean you, you could have what if there's a part where since he's hulk and he's a doctor what if there's some dr mario segments where he has to like, like you go back hulk to being has... bruce banner and you have to do like a puzzle or something maybe that could work like, it's that like would be cool as banner. long as it has uh insomniac spider-man skip option because you could see something like that getting tedious on like repeat playthroughs mm-hmm. i like this 
I like a Hulk 2D side-scrolling action game on the Nintendo Switch. And you know what you could call this game? We, we could call it Incredible Hulk City of Incredible. Destruction. Oh, is it just Incredible Hulk? Like, that's just a, Incredible that's Hulk. I feel like you could call it City of Destruction, which kind of goes with like the alt-Hulk game. I mean, we're going to go full circle here. Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction for like PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox. <laughs> That's the people that made Prototype. Oh. It's all coming full circle here, full baby. full circle now. <laughs> anyway, though, would you say for this week we've handled an episode? Yeah, that should handle our week of games we've been playing. Alrighty. So next week we should have some reactions to the state of play, um, which will air after we recorded this episode, but before this episode goes up obviously but for right now we want to thank you so much for listening please follow our twitter at markers on the map and there we'll post our links to our podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and our podbean site please leave a five-star review and you know i guess there's not much left to say except you know something that needs to be said and that is that the real mario and donkey kong minis on the move was the friends we made along the way so we'll see you next time Bye. Later.